Friday Night Movie podcast because this podcast was demanded, demanded by the listeners. One of our most important listeners, my eldest daughter, she made a deal with me this summer, Becky and Lily, and she said to me, Dad, you, I will go to camp, while I'm in camp, and um, you have to read this book. And I'm, I have a real weak spot when my kids are going off to camp because they go to the same camp we went to as kids. And I said, okay, I'll read a book. Now, I will also add, this is the first book I have finished in since before I had children and definitely the only book in the last, since the last Harry Potter book I finished that wasn't a rock musician's biography. And it was a book called um, Addison Cook and the Treasure of the and the treasure of the Incas. I have that right. I, I just call it Addison Cook. It's like Harry Potter, Addison Cook. And it is by Jonathan Stokes. And then by the magic of Twitter, right? Twitter can be pretty evil, but but it can be good sometimes. Jonathan Stokes agreed to be on our show to talk with us today. And we, we learned not only um, that he, I mean, other than being an awesome author who I think captures that that um, Amblin Entertainment kind of Goonies spirit in his writing is himself an expert in storytelling and writing and a screenplay writer. So what could be a better guest for our show than Mr. Jonathan Stokes? Welcome, Jonathan, to the Friday Night Movie family. Thanks for coming, Jonathan. Thank you, Corman, for having me. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, I don't usually get to hear authors' voices before we get to, before we get to talk to them, but because you have this great YouTube channel, which I'm going to mention up front, and then we'll get into detail into detail of later, because you have the Raising the Stakes YouTube channel, where you, it's great for someone like me, again, doesn't read a lot, essentially <laughs> it's an entire masterclass in screenwriting laid out, or book about screenwriting without having to read anything. Um, I've gotten used to your voice and and you have just like a very calming voice. So I think our listeners are really going to appreciate. This You're episode. suggesting <laughs> he does his own audiobooks so you can listen oh, yeah. to the rest of the There's Addison a British Cook guy too. who reads Addison Cook because at <laughs> one point I wasn't sure if I was going to finish reading it on time. So I <laughs> got the audiobook and I was jumping back and forth. But then I found Amazing. out I, I can read faster than the British guy. <laughs> <laughs> and because the Kindle times you. So, uh, Jonathan, welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes, the uh, yeah, I, I insist on a British reader for the audiobook. I really wanted to read it myself, but apparently that, that this wasn't allowed for some reason. But you can listen. That's too bad. Like you have a great um, voice. You have a, you have a yeah. great voice. Oh, you guys. Um, yeah, you can listen to the audiobook at one point two five speed, or one point five speed, or one point seven five, or two two x when you. Two is too hard. Believe me, I tried. But it is a lovely. So I I own three copies now because we have the in person. We have the human copy that that uh, my daughter has, and then we have a Kindle version. And wow. I got the Audible version when I was a little worried I wasn't going to make the deadline, but I, oh. I, I I blazed through it. I'm so um, grateful for the Kindle version because it takes so long for anything to arrive here. So should I have ordered it? <laughs> I, I got to figure in the book business, Kindle version has to be the best. Is that the best one for an author? Because there's no overhead on that purchase. Yes, that is correct. So okay. yeah, it is You're supposed welcome. to. 
I think a book you might get like, you know, 0.01 shekels, but for an audio book, you <laughs> like 0.5 shekels. <laughs> more. Um, well, I hope so. Addison Cook, he is a he's a treasure hunter. He is wise beyond his years, fearless and optimistic. And he goes on an adventure with his sister. So there's a sibling component. I like that. Yeah. Who doesn't love that in our family? Anytime you throw in siblings on an adventure, we're on board. And then he brings a couple of, you know, his ragtag group of friends, meet some friends along the way. Where, where did you get the idea for the, and, and it's very cinematic. It feels like you're, you're watching a movie. Where'd you get the idea? Is this something that was permeating, uh, percolating for years? Or is this something that grew out of your work in screenwriting and, and things like that? Oh, man. I haven't thought about this in a little while. But the, the, the true answer is really kind of schmirmy Hollywood inside baseball. I <laughs> should give you the, the – you might be a little eye-rolling. But, we're, um, we're into that. Yeah, we I, give us the truth. Right, this yeah. is the true untold story of the origin of Addison. Yes. Cook. I don't think I've ever. Yes. So normally, like if I was to talk about Addison Cook, you know, I might be in an elementary school or middle school, and so I'm just not going to tell them the long drawn out Hollywood version of the story. <laughs> it's not that appealing to Do them. It. But since this is your podcast, is really oriented around you know movie night, so maybe mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, movies for sure. We have, oh, yeah. we have guests that give us the inside scoop all the time on how things get made for real. <laughs> <laughs> so I was on uh, a general meeting at Ben Stiller's company eons ago, and they were interested in making a movie along the lines of Monster Squad, where they wanted to sort of channel some 1980s movies that we all grew up on and knew and loved. Um, anything involving a ragtag group of middle schoolers getting together to solve an adventure that the grownups either are too incompetent to solve or mm-hmm. are aware of that there is anything that needs to be solved. Um and I, they wanted to do something like the Monster Squad, and I came in and pitched something totally different, which was uh, the seed of Addison Cook, which at its it, this was you know a five page treatment, and uh, they were like absolutely not rejected it, <laughs> not interested. <laughs> and then maybe two years after that, three years after that, uh, I was on another summer meeting, this time with Bo Flynn, who uh, we were talking about offline. Right. Bo. Right. Um, produces pretty much all of the rocks movies and at some point in the meeting he was like do you have any kids stuff and so off the cuff i pitched him addison cook and he was super into it so he was like go develop that we're going to pitch it to hollywood studios so at the time i was working on uh i was writing a movie for will smith and this is over this is a decade ago <laughs> and um it was a really cool experience and at the time Will was looking for something he could do with his whole family because Willow mm. was on one continent and Jaden was on another continent continent, and uh, Jada Pinkett Smith was on another continent. There's a really busy family. So is there a movie that they can do as a family? And so I was like, I've got something for you. <laughs> it's Addison Cook. And it was designed, the aunt and the uncle were going to be right. Will Smith and Jada Pinkett. And Addison and his sister, his little sister, that was Jaden and Willow at the time. Those They were all the right ages. Um, and so I pitched my ever-loving heart out. And uh, uh, long story short, Miss Company said, nah. Oh. <laughs> so it died again. And then um, I was unable to successfully pitch at the studio. And so Bo Flynn said, why don't you just go write it as a book? And I was like, thanks a lot. 
This is going <laughs> to take me a year. <laughs> so, um, I, oh gosh, that's only the beginning of the story. This podcast is going to be nine hours. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we, I, I mean, we're fascinated. This is really I, interesting. Billy loves an origin story. Also, so I have to I say, as someone who loves movies, like, this is a situation where I feel like the book is actually growing out of movies, which is Very making cool. me so happy. And then also when they do make the movie, because this will make it a come, movie, it'll come full circle. I, I won't, you know, we and, won't have to have the debate over which one's better, the movie or the book, because they'll be, they'll be, you know, <laughs> organically tied. Very chicken and egg. You're right. They mm-hmm. sort of come evolved. <laughs> Um, so the, I had wanted to be an author forever. And so I thought, okay, fine, maybe I will try writing this as a book. I wrote it as I started as I wrote as a treatment, where I wrote the first X number of chapters, and then wrote the rest of it just in outline form. And then, oh my gosh, I'm trying to figure out how much of the story I should tell. Okay, why not? Let's go for it. Go for <laughs> it. <laughs> um, I love it. I gave the treatment to my Hollywood agents at the time. And uh, and I said, can you help me get a New York book agent so we could sell this as a book? And they said, yeah, 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 sure, 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 sure. And nothing happened. And four months went by. And I check in periodically. And the, the, the book department at that agency was like, yeah, 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 sure, no problem. And finally, I was on another general meeting with a really cool exec. And she was like, oh, my God, it's taken them four months. I'll get you a book agent tomorrow. Let's do this. <laughs> so I called up the agency. That's great. It was UTA. I called up UTA and was like, don't worry about finding me a book agent. Uh, <laughs> Carrie Foster is going to do it for me. And then UTA was like, no, 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 no. It was one week. And so they they gave it to one book agent. And that book agent was like, oh, my God, I'm I'm." I'm going to, I want to sell this tomorrow. So it was like, why did you guys wait four months for it? <laughs> um, oh, there's so many more elements in the story, but it gets, it's, it's so Byzantine and political. But anyway, the point is, yes, that book agent then went and sold it to, uh, to Penguin Random House. And then I finally got to go and write it. Um, and then, if, and then years later, I guess, just to put a weird coda on the story, um, I had no say in the book cover. Um, because which, I was very which I actually it. really like. I hope you like it. I love it. I love the art. I love the art in the bookstore. I think oh, they're good. terrific. I love it. Um, however, I was very careful in writing the book to never identify Addison's ethnicity. I just wanted it, any little kid to be able to read it and just sort of plug themselves into the read. Yeah. Um, so it's not like kids have specific right. ethnicities like Eddie and, and uh, Raj, but Addison, I just left it vague. Um, but the book cover comes out and then Addison's totally awake yeah. here, which is fine. But then right. it came out at exactly the wrong time. And so you've got like, um, like the Kirkus reviewer called me a racist for like, why is it got to be a white kid? Oh, it's the white kid is the leader of the gang. And every time it says Addison's team walked up the stairs, it's the, why is it the white male kid telling everyone what to do? Oh. So I was like, why did you guys do that on the cover? Like you could have been an abstract cover. The books never specified right. Addison is. Right. And in my mind, they were black because mm-hmm. I wrote it for Will Smith's family. Oh, that's <laughs> that's really funny. Well, the good news is that it can be it's easily awful. recast how you want it, you know, or envisioned it in a movie. 
So but that's, the book cover that, is, that, you know. That's got to be quite a yeah. punch to the gut to write it with such intention in terms of, of giving it that latitude for readers and then having somebody else make a very narrow choice for you. Um, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's strange times we live in. So yeah, the, 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 yeah, the editor of the book got me too I mean, and so then I had no more editor at Penguin Random House, oh you know, goodness. so Boy. it's just been such a pro Addison has been such a product of its time in that regard. Oof. Um, Oof. It, it, it's might, a little engine that could, I feel like it's, oh, yeah. there's three, <laughs> it's I mean, there's three many books. different hurdles. There is. So there's the treasure of the Incas, which was a lot of fun. And then that's the one that the tomb of Khan that's up next for me. And then mm -hmm. the third one is. Hold on, I have my. Oh, uh, Addison Cook and the Ring of Destiny. Ring of Destiny. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so that that's so cool. Okay, so you you plugged. This is that's a great. That's a, this is like the Godfather, the offer. This is the that version of the story where you know that movie that's out from the, the show that's on the Paramount Network now about like the history of the making of the Godfather and, <laughs> and like all of the that's an incredible story. Uh, you also have written, you also have written, a, a, I mean, we've done some digging on you. You have scripts that are at least one maybe more that have been on the famed hollywood blacklist right the which are the best scripts circulating hollywood that people want to make including murder in the white house i live in the washington dc area made my career in the my first part of my career in government so i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of curious about how you where where you came to or are you allowed to talk about that one or just like, yeah sure oh, okay Oh, um, I really like I like I really like this um premise. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like clue meets it's White like House clue, right. <laughs> right, exactly. Or like, that's that's what I read from like, the description. Of course, one type things, but it's also clue, which is right, amazing. right. Um yeah, no, I've been fortunate that the Hollywood blacklist is it sounds sinister, but it's just uh every year all the Hollywood execs get together and vote on their favorite unproduced screenplays. Um and it's a really lovely way to sort of draw attention to scripts that um uh that that maybe should be made that haven't been made. So I have the weird distinction of I've I've had more scripts voted on the blacklist than any other screenwriter, which is sort of like winning the prize for biggest loser because uh, it means I've had <laughs> a lot of unproduced screenplays out there. But, uh, uh, Murder in the White House comes from, uh, I, I, my parents watched Masterpiece Theater growing up and they watched every single British murder mystery. All the Poirots and all that. Oh, Poirot, I, forget about it. Yeah, uh, Sherlock Holmes, uh, the works. R Rumpel of the Bailey. Oh, that rings a bell, actually. Rumpel, Leo McCurk, my dad. dad. Our dad would our, love it. Our dad it. could I give your parents a run for their money. Rumpel of the, the Bailey. Love <laughs> He's the old barrister or solicitor. I don't remember which one he is. but Oh, you're right. He the cigar. He's like, yeah, he's yeah. Like, like curmudgeon. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We had the whole series at home on VHS. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, so I was raised... You know, my mom's, my father's uh, a Brit and my mother's a loud Jew from Chicago. And I, I really got both components. And so for my father, I really got the just love of British murder mysteries. I mean, give me a mansion, uh, a rich guy who gets murdered, 
and then a bunch of jazz sorcerers <laughs> the night, oh, and I'm on board. And so I, I guess I thought to myself, like, how? What's the biggest mansion we could think of? Oh, maybe the White House. Like, okay, who's the most important rich guy we can murder? The president. Like, what stakes could be higher than that? And then when you know protocol kicks in, like the president is murdered, um, every everyone in that dining room has to go down into the bunker, and they're locked in. Uh, because of protocol until we can solve what happened because one of you did this. So that, that's how we get them trapped in the mansion for the night. But it's the vice president. It's the first lady. It's the important diplomat. It's just really high stakes people oh. trapped together for, you know, overnight until we can solve who did this mystery. And then more people die along the way. Uh, and uh, the killer that's has to- That's favorite movie. I'm very- I, Well, because it, it could, I mean, depending on how, you, I mean, I don't know how it goes, but it, I always say that Washington, you know, first of all, I think Washington and Hollywood are really similar. Um, But uh, not that I know a lot about Hollywood, but it just strikes me that there's a lot of similarities. But to me, the most accurate portrayal of Washington ever made is really Veep and in the loop. Like all of the other things are not realistic. I mean, they're there's there's threads of the West Wing and, you know, that's probably your your idealized version of it. But but if you go, if you talk to anybody in Washington, Veep is, I mean, for me, Veep is so real that I don't, I never finished watching the show because it's like, gave me anxiety. Really? So yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's much more what the day-to-day is like than the West Wing. Oh um, because for most of the people, that's what your life is like, right? There's a few select people that are the characters in the West Wing, but for the rest of the world, your life is like Veep. So I'm, I have so many different... This would make a cool movie. I hope they. I hope someone's making. it. I think this would make a great, a great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, oh, um, okay. Well, wow. This is so fun to. All right. So you have cast. So all right. This is really interesting because this movie, in a sense, has been cast once already, with Will Smith and right, and right, family. right. But we do play some games on the show. Call uh, one of them is called Cast Ellipsis Away. Cast mm-hmm. Away, where we talk about dream casting of of characters and uh i i actually i feel like i gotta maybe start with lily um on casting and so i threw a bunch of characters in our notes we don't have to start anywhere in particular but we've got addison we've got aunt delia and uncle nigel we've got molly his sister we've got raj uh his uh buddy who is he's kind of like the survival character but also seems to be a little bit of a calamity in the process we got eddie who just seems to worry a lot um, Guadalupe, who I loved, I um, and I'm disappointed to hear doesn't return in the next two books. Um, but I absolutely so come back at some point. Okay, all right, good. I I, I see a, an Avenger style team up of of these uh, of these character of this of these visiting characters. Guadalupe is amazing. Um, Professor Rhaegar is a villain. Zubov's another villain. Lily, where where do you where do you see? Um... Why are you starting with me? I have. <laughs> I don't know because you you Can read I, things. Becky, go fine. Becky. Well, I'm I'm gonna yeah, give, let Becky go. Becky's the one who actually makes movies. So no, no, I'm please. That does not qualify. Castaway is not that is not a qualifier for this game. But I'm just I just want to. I'm going for Aunt Delia and Uncle Nigel. I want to go. I have a pair that came to mind that I think have are have great chemistry together. Whether or not you know they could pull off these parts in particular, I, I'm curious what your thoughts are. But I think. 
Um, I think they they make a, a great team. Um, would be Ali Wong and Randall Park because they're so good together in Always Be My Maybe. Like, let's uh, let's team them up again. Let's put them <laughs> in something else. <laughs> let's see what happens. Yeah. For legal reasons, is Jonathan allowed to say if he likes that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Or maybe are they already cast and I'm like, and I'm predicting it now. No, no. And I think that's a hilarious matchup. <laughs> uh, Allie Wong's amazing. It's been interesting to, I remember Allie, she dated a friend of mine, weirdly enough. And so I remember when she was doing the craziest, most like provocateur uh, Andy, um, oh my God, I can't remember his last name, like provocateur stand-up. Andy mm-hmm. Kaufman. She was doing Andy Kaufman stuff at the tiniest dive comedy clubs in oh. the park. And now she's like a household name. It's so And amazing. now she's a household yeah. name. And then, you know, yeah. and then they always end up doing something family friendly, you know? Yeah, so, I know. And her stand-up, as you probably know. Like her stand-up, but, but that's what it is. Her, fa- her stand-up is not family friendly. And so I think as an adult, it's always really fun to see someone like that in a kid's movie doing the, and anyways, just a, just a funny I, idea. I, I think Beck, you've, you definitely hit something there. That's great. Really cool. ju- look, I listen. I like, I like, I like how you also just cast the aunt and uncle. Like you're not going to do the whole thing. Oh, no, right? I can't do the whole thing. That's too much. No, I, Ran- I, I am Randall not a Park, casting director. I think Randall Park is sort of like a, a, um, a somewhat nerdy expert, uh, you know, professor type would, would Believable. Go, really, go really well. Mm-hmm. Okay. See. So, so mine is like a little bit okay i'm just gonna mine's a little bit different i cast addison as a girl okay is that that might be like Ugh. a bit much yeah well, that's a girl's name right? it can be either it's a girl's name it can be a girl when i was her. reading it i forgot that it's a boy because ah. <laughs> so, addison to me is a girl's name <laughs> i don't know and so you know who came to my mind shy I don't, Becky, I don't know if you watch the show and uh, I don't know if you watch the show. Um, Mamona Tamada. It's Claudia from um, Babysitter's Club. Oh, wow. Oh, cool. She's yeah, tiny, yeah, yeah, but like yeah. so feisty. And I could just see her in this like adventure role. So, so that's funny because my you know baby's... I mean? So my she ba- could play the sister. She could play the little sister. She could play Molly if we're going with like a dude for the role. But... And obviously, this is if you filmed it like ten years ago, because I think she's a teenager now. But, but well, anyways, I, I, my, I, I well, I, 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 see I, that I like energy. I, I like all time casting, so we can use any era. But my my casting for uh, Guadalupe also going to that babysitters club. Like I think that babysitters club, like all of those actors actors who played the babysitters are gonna they're, I think they're, they're all that they they just like they that's sort of like the outsiders. Like all of those people are gonna be massive stars. And and, and they're I great actresses. Cannot, actors, and I cannot pronounce I don't know if I'll pronounce her name properly, but the young uh person who played Co- America. Cochit oh America. Yeah uh, America yeah, yeah, the one who played Don Cochetil Gomez. Uh, I hope I Gomez, pronounced it. Yeah. yeah. Uh she would be my Guadalupe choice. Um That's what for I was sure. too. so I literally uh, just I, went I, to the cast of this show and pulled from there. <laughs> <laughs> They're all really good. In that sense, in that sense, I do think former Friday Night Movie guest uh uh Rebecca Johnson would make a great Antilia. 
and oh yeah, yeah she'd make too. a great yeah. Glow. She'd make great and, and, she's, she was, she was from glow she's also in an episode of babysitter's club she would have oh. made a great aunt delia uh um but i so. okay but my aunt delia was tracy ellis ross oh that's a really good oh, one too that's another great i have one. like that's obviously right. no gender like everybody's a different uh, race in this well podcast. you could make you could make right. uncle nigel aunt nigel and can be tracy ellis ross right. and rebecca johnson are married that's that would, mm-hmm. that would work great. right oh my exactly. that, would great. <laughs> that, would, that would be great um what about you jonathan is there like any dream casting in here beyond the entire smith family <laughs> or uh you know ben stiller's family like the people you've already <laughs> imagined in it Ben Stiller's family. <laughs> ben Stiller is Uncle Nigel, and Christine Taylor is Antilia. I think what started to happen now is that you, once the first book jacket came out, I was like, "All right, okay, they're 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 white kids, and that's okay." And um, I'll I'll draw from my own my father's side, my British heritage. You know, because I gave Aunt Delia and, and, and Uncle Nigel British accents, and because uh, I just am a sucker for a British accent. So by book three, you're in England, and Addison's learning about his whole family tree. And something that's cool about, like, my father's side of the family, everyone in England knows their family tree back to 1066, because William the Conqueror kept such amazing tax records in the Doomsday Book. So geneal- genealogy is incredibly easy in England. I can tell you every right. stilts. And I guess they were back. doing a lot of the conquering as opposed to, right? So like, it's not like <laughs> being conquered. Not like the records were <laughs> yeah. being burned in the palace that often, right? By that. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so we know the first Adam de Stock who came over from uh, wow. Normandy, you know, was a Norseman wow. who went over there with, with, with him and conquer. And we know where he settled. And wild. Just, That's it, so cool. That is wild. So I want to give Addison that long of a lineage because i think that's totally plausible it exists in my family most english families so um so he is english now i think or of english extraction and i'm just gonna embrace that and you know that's that's my identity so i'm allowed to write in that day mm-hmm. so uh so in terms sure. of asking, you know Addison not have an american accent but i think his family will be of british extraction to one degree or another I, I imagine his his character reminded me a lot of Kevin McAllister in yeah. the first Home Alone. Like oh, okay. this little kid who's got a few things he's afraid of, but is is very grown up and can I, speak right. in very adult terms mm-hmm. with people. I just yeah. I, I like imagine... that he's still afraid of stuff though. Yeah. My um my favorite, so I just want to talk about my favorite scene in the book for a moment. There's a scene in the book where they escape, there's this whole set piece in a wedding of a gangster that they have to infiltrate. And Addison, uh, with such amazing confidence, tries to get himself, it's like, I love a wedding. And he and he gets, he kind of talks his way in and out of trouble. And then there's you know, lots of action as well, which by the way, I love the way you write action. Uh, I don't usually understand action in books very well. I still don't understand how Sirius Black died in that fifth Harry Potter book. Like it still doesn't make sense. (laughs) But I could imagine all of the action in this book. Um, uh, It made me think that, wow, I really want to see this movie made, but this isn't like a one room play. This is, this has got real production Value. This is, yeah. Yeah, this is this is a big budget movie. 
Um, uh, and does that, does, is that the reason why the books have to sell or, or do would the studios that want an original IP just like go for it or, or that's what you'd hope. That's what I was hoping. Like, Oh, I guess they want a sure thing, but on the other hand, I mean, no no one's made before that, that gray man movie was $200 million, $200 million, but that was in salaries. That yeah. must have been in salary. Clearly, Pastor that ben. was in cast. Pastor yeah, it wasn't in writing. You could be one of Jonathan's friends. Don't you know? Be too... <laughs> right. Your I poor wish. friend. He didn't watch your videos. <laughs> or she didn't watch your videos because <laughs> it's unsutured all over that thing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm just you, saying that I feel like somebody should get behind your story. Oh, look, from your lips to Hollywood's ears. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, no, but you raise a good point. So we, we, I, I got to grow up in the, in the 1980s when you could just make a movie that starred a bunch of kids, and we don't live in that world right. anymore. So it's right, just right. incredibly rare. Nowadays, a kids' movie has to be like yesterday, where you're really casting Jennifer Garner. Garner, it's, mm-hmm. it's yeah. her movie, it's her character arcs, and then. That's a great it's, point. It's not being yeah. cast off of kids. I don't think Home Alone gets made in 2022. In fact, I can pretty much guarantee you it does not get made. Or if Home Alone gets made, it's about the parents. And it's really their castability um, in order to budget the movie. Because you're right. Addison has set pieces that would cost a little bit of money. And so no studio is just going to gamble on an unknown 10-year-old actor or whatever, 12-year-old actor. There, it, it needs castability. So the way for the path forward for a book like Addison, and again, it's a little inside baseball, is it has to become like a diary of a wimpy kid where the book sales are so overwhelming that there's a, a mandate. And, and the reason I, I can say that with some confidence is I've been on the other end, a big part of my, my uh, um, what I facetiously call my career is adapting uh other authors' books for Hollywood studios. Like I get to be the screenwriter that ruins um, other kids' books. So, <laughs> so like my my probably my hands down favorite uh, kids' book author is Jonathan Stroud. He wrote the Bartimaeus uh, trilogy, which uh, is now a quadrilogy, uh, and he wrote um, an amazing book series called uh, Lockwood and Company, which is terrific middle grade writing. It's just so clever. He's he's a I'm pretty sure he's definitely British. I think he's Jewish. I think he's a fellow <laughs> British Jew like I am. <laughs> um, but he I got to adapt his books for Universal, and the books are such a slam dunk to be made into an amazing movie series. And it was just the easiest writing assignment of my life. I didn't have to do anything; just get out of the way of the books. They're so well written. And Universal is like, oh, yeah, we're never going to do this because the books just they've sold fine, but they haven't blown the lid off of Barnes and Nobles. So if like if they can't make Lockwood, Chai, you know what you have to do? Well, I mean, it sounds like I don't books. have to. But at least I mean, I like <laughs> a lot reading. more copies. You're like re-engineering my view on books. I'm like, clearly we've got to buy more books if we want more movies. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we just had movies. to buy tickets at the theater. <laughs> no. I think if we want more good movies. Um, so this is a great, this is a great, first of all, this is a great segue into 
raise this ra- ra- raising the stakes which everyone has to subscribe to on YouTube. my new favorite show we just plowed yeah. through all of the i was watching Amazing. them with the kids well, today I, can even I, my can wife I, who hates all the youtube things i watch <laughs> loved it can that i ask go, a go. question right, at, right up at the top. back and forth question right right off the bat why are you sharing your your knowledge why why are you giving us this gift what is motivating you to give us this gift of your expertise, your knowledge, your opinions, your, your, why? Because it does feel like you're getting right. Like you're getting like a little bit of like a secret like, recipe. Like a pre, right? it, and it's also like it's a like pre class. I mean, yeah, I don't need what, to yeah. do that Aaron Sorkin masterclass. That's like, yeah, I know. yeah. <laughs> and like super boring, I'm sure. Or he's not giving you the secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, why give away the secret sauce? Like, like why give away my competitive advantage? Uh, it's a legitimate question. Uh, I, I think that part of what I love about YouTube and what I love about the internet is uh, I've been the beneficiary of so many people giving away their secret sauce. So I used to spend a lot of time editing Wikipedia, and Wikipedia is just a whole bunch of people devoting endless hours of time, sharing their knowledge with no hope of reward and no hope of profit. And if anything, Wikipedia is just, you're constantly in edit wars and people are reverting your edits and it's, 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 it costs you uh, your, a little bit of your soul. And oh yet God. millions of people are willing to do this just to sort of help out strangers on the internet who are never gonna know their name. It's fascinating and it shouldn't really it shouldn't exist, and yet here we are with the largest encyclopedia ever created. And similarly with YouTube, certainly as a screenwriter, I use YouTube all the time. As a human being, you know, if, if I can't figure out why the garden hose is, is sort of rusted onto the spigot and how I'm supposed to get it off, I go and I watch YouTube, and some dude on YouTube is explaining it perfectly for me. <laughs> and at, maybe they'll make some ad revenue, but probably not because they've got three subscribers or something. And they're just giving away their information and it helps my life. And so I uh, interpret everything that happens to me like through a lens of guilt um, and obligation. By the way, I love, I love the way, I love the way Jonathan is, is, is giving us his own, uh, is, is walking his own walk by not giving us the, he's showing us, not, not telling us because he dropped shekels. Now he's telling us about his guilt and his British (laughs) Jewish ancestry, you know, like, so he's, he is, he's giving us the backstory. His mom is from Chicago. His mom's Jewish from Chicago. Okay, got it. So, no. But he, I'm fascinated. He's clearly a good storyteller. Keep, keep going. It. Yes. Riveted. Well, I, I guess the, the punchline is just, uh, I feel like I've been the beneficiary of all kinds of YouTube videos. You're paying it forward. I'm paying it forward. Like, look, I can't, I can't make a video on how to fix your garden hose. I have no idea. <laughs> I can't make a video to explain how to charge your Tesla. I get to be, you know. And, <laughs> and the, I mean, the truth is writing, and especially for film, is a lot more than those videos, obviously. Those videos are so yeah, it's not helpful. like I could I could like by it's myself like go out and write those, something right. based on <laughs> and, and and it's not about maybe even going to school or not. There's a certain a sense of talent that comes with being able to construct a story. I think that like you're clearly not being like, okay, now you've seen my videos, go write an Oscar winning script. That's not the whole point. I think to me, your videos were so wonderful and amazing because I a, it helps you really enjoy film better. I, I think as an audience or consumer, you enjoy. I love writing. I love script writing. I love all of that and, and reading. 
shy. It's crazy. Some people like reading. I know, but it's true. And so seeing your videos kind of help brought me back to a time of like when I was in college or my degree or whatever it was, or when I was more in the thick of that every day. And then, and getting like a, a glimpse back into that of remembering, you know, thinking about film in that kind of way or it deconstructing different scenes, comparing. We do this all the time. That's why we have a podcast. We want to compare scenes and compare movies. But it's, You're we're still not going to. videos. Yeah. What's her I'm just, I'm just imagining that, like, Shy having watched all the videos and like Carrie Dubeck and the other two now walking around with some cut off gloves and a notebook going, I'm a writer. You know? <laughs> I am a writer now. <laughs> just like a blank page. No, no, no. At the very I... least, it makes you a better film critic. And if that's what we're doing here, then you know what? Now you can yeah. say words like suture. I'm more of like a film liker than I am a critic. No, I would say film analyst. But it puts into words a lot of the things that you analyze all the time. That is right. It helps you kind of organize. And the editing, the examples are amazing. I can't believe you sifted through like all of that. I'm sure you watched that stuff. Or I have a question. Or are you more, do you have like an encyclopedic brain for film and examples? examples. Because when someone's like, give me an example of, you know, good exposition, you'd be like, I don't know. Like, how do you? (laughs) No, it's, it's one of the many tragedies of of the tragic comedy of my life is, is I have a horrendous memory for actor names, director names, movies, <laughs> movies that I saw. You wouldn't think it from your, vi- from your I, videos. I, your I, many of the time I, I'll be pitching or I'll be in a general meeting and just completely unable to come up with the name. Like Tom, <laughs> he was in a movie. He flew an airplane, like a fighter jet. <laughs> <laughs> like, try, I, I could be talking to Tom Cruise and he was in a, he was in the movie where he was in a wheelchair. He was a Vietnam vet. Uh, yeah, it, 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 it's amazing. Pathetic. No, so yeah, it, it is. I wish I had. I do know a number of people who have this uh, stack genetic mm-hmm. memory for so, every movie. I did before COVID. Yeah, it's, yeah, you did before COVID. I, I can't remember names the same. I think the fog will go away in six months, but. I, I used to be able to pull names like that. And I was I was sticking on, I can't even remember the name I was sticking on earlier today, but I was sticking on this. <laughs> I mean, you're also getting a little older. Oh, old, so I'm just I, think I mean, he has a youthful glow, but you know, he's no, there's nothing. No, I'm, do you I'm, lean I'm heavily on IMDB for your for your constructing of these videos? Because the references that you use are quite extensive. I no, I don't know. I, I no, I, I I just have to like think really hard and try to remember. I mean, there have been phases in my life when I watched a lot of movies, and then phases when I just completely like, who has the time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm supposed right. to do this for a link. And um, then I find that I often just come back to the same movies again and again, which is a little bit sad. I don't know. I one of my best friends went an entire year only reading Moby Dick. Like he rode Moby Dick 40 times and I'm sympathetic to that. Like I actually have that impulse um, where I would rather watch Princess Bride 100 times than just take a risk on a movie that's going to utterly disappoint me when I'm really in the mood to watch something really satisfying. Don't watch The Gray Man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because 
because you might be disappointed if you really if you don't feel like watching a movie definitely watch it but if you're like and then also it seems like you really like action and adventure it's a feeling that i get right and so it seems like a genre you're into i i am i am through the gray man go ahead and, and no and i say and i love the way in your discussion of film and script you don't shy away from action movies like i think action movies and comedies in some ways they get dismissed um they, they get dismissed to a certain level uh as a serious art and a really great act like I don't know or how not you qualify Indiana or... Jones, but like Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark is an action movie, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, and it's well like, perfect. I I I was talking to my I, I talk, like action was talking to my husband as I'm saying your uh, video about the nuking the fridge out loud to him as I'm watching it. I'm just repeating it to him, and I was like, it's, <laughs> in it's Spanish so though, in tr- Spanish, right? I'm just translating it, and so um I. It, it's such a great point, and I can't tell you how many times the poor guy, like, and he loves action movies, he loves adventure movies, but he talk about the whole suturing thing. It, it, he is taken out of the movie because the the fight scenes are so bad, or or they're so good to everybody else, to like Lehman's eyes, but to him, he's like, oh god, really? Like that could have been Corey, I got better. That could have been this, and he can just, you know, see how all the mistakes. And I was talking to him about the whole thing about your point about Jackie Chan and how when they if if someone actually gets hurt, who's supposed to be invincible and they get hurt, you you the stakes are, are higher and you're more nervous as an audience member. If The Rock can never get hurt, yeah. then you're kind of like, well, whatever, it doesn't matter while you're watching. Yeah. And yeah. I thought that was a great point. And that's a, and that's an action movie, but that's the same thing with any kind of movie across the board. If you're not feeling that that anxiety and nervousness for your character, then it doesn't really matter what happens. Uh, I like that you use the the martial artists. <laughs> well, I, I I was watching Example. it with the kids, so I we were watching your your videos with the kids, and that whole and that whole point about why we care about Jackie Chan. I went through this with them because I've been introducing them to Jackie Chan movies. We watched the oh, Rush wow. Hour movies, and. I looked at them while you were talking about and how Shanghai he, Noon and, and Shanghai Noon, how he gets hurt. And I rem, and I physically saw my kids' reactions to in Shanghai Noon, there's the bell tower fight and them like jumping, right? And like with the excitement that the first time you see a scene where you don't know what's gonna happen to the hero. And and I was like, oh, this is why, because this must be why, because Jonathan's explaining that it's because these that Jackie Chan's character actually gets hurt. Um, uh, uh, and I think, um, uh, and I think that's that's really, and I think that's really, really, I think it's really cool that you were able to articulate something that I I knew was happening, and then they were able to understand it because they were like, oh, that's why we were so excited by Jackie Chan, like the adventure in Jackie Chan. Now, I'm not showing them many Jet Li movies. I don't know of a Jet Li movie that's like <laughs> good and appropriate for them. Um, so Maybe a few years on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're not ready for Unleashed as much as my dad mm. probably wants them Oof. to. Uh, Loves that movie. But want, want, wants to watch it. Yeah, I think there's, I th- yeah, I think this all maybe ties back to The Gray Man, which, uh, so on, on Wednesday, I was playing, I woke up, thought, what a glorious day, was awake for maybe 45 seconds, you know, bent down to play with my Labrador, and, you know, she's shaking the toy, 
and I tweak my neck. And then mm. spend Ooh, the next, like, we've all been there. Oh, I, I spend like the next very... hour lying on my back. Three of us are held together by string. Yeah, it, string, titanium, discotomies. That's our family. Yeah. If you need a good back wow. surgeon, we have a great one. Oh, we have a okay. family back surgeon. Because he's done all of us. <laughs> well, where I'm going yeah. with this is, yeah, so I, sp- I spend the next that. hour on the living room floor. And then like, I don't think I can do anything today. And uh, I, I go to a chiropractor for the first time ever. I, I thought they were all quacks. I was very suspicious, but I was just in that much pain from playing with my dog, right? And so then, you know, gray man, you can watch a guy kill 25 people in four minutes without a scratch on him. And like, th- this is true. I, I do I do want to say two things about the gray man because I'm halfway through it and I'm having a uh, I'm totally enjoying the thrill ride. And I do think on the one hand that you have to evaluate a movie on its own uh, intentions, right? Like what did that movie set Deliver, out to accomplish? Deliver. And is it, uh, yeah, is it delivering? Is on, it delivering on the promise, right? right? Is it delivering on lots of screen time with Ryan Gosling? Yes. <laughs> right. That's what I took away from it. I is think, it delivering on that? I'm confused about Billy Bob Thornton's agent. Yes. Confused. <laughs> Like, I had a lot of questions after seeing that movie. Well, so far where I am in the movie, I feel like I would give an A++ to the gray man. What they set out to do, I feel they've utterly accomplished. They're entertaining the hell out of me. Do I give them an A++ on screenwriting structure? Maybe not so much. Do I give them, do I feel for Ryan Gosling in the ways that we're describing, where I understand what it's like to play with your dog and then be unable to look up and to the left for then I'm going back to the chiropractor after this podcast because I still my girlfriend will tap me on this shoulder and I can't turn around to look at her yet so I understand the realities of like what what would be what would be like if I was attacked by 37 mercenaries so you're right am I completely invested in Ryan's uh Ryan Gosling's character maybe not as much as I'd be invested in say um, you know, Michael Corleone in The Godfather. Um, the Godfather, right. you know, dude gets punched in the jaw. I think I put that in the video. Dude gets oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. then for the next, for the next thousand pages <laughs> yeah. of that book, he's dealing with the consequences. I, I know friends who have had concussions, you know, from falling off a horse or uh, My a son headbutted me. And- I, I can never see a movie again. My son headbutted me like like you do in the movies when you're trying to headbutt a villain, right? You're fighting, yeah. you headbutt them. My son headbutted me. He By accident. Two. He wasn't fighting you. By accident. We weren't fighting. Oh, okay, he jumped okay. off the couch and jumped into my face. Like he headbutted me from jumping off the couch. So if I'm the villain and he's the hero, right? And I'm supposed to now like keep fighting him or vice versa. If I'm the hero and I get headbutted, I'm three years later, I still can't deal with my nose. Like yeah. surgery, like yeah. it broke in three places. It hurt so goddamn much. I literally afterwards, I was like, I can never watch a movie. Every time someone gets headbutted, uh, Lily, goes, that like, nose. Oh. I feel like that oh. nose is taking a serious I beating. Know. Like my nose is my much bigger nose. than yours, but your nose has endured so much. Your nose is oh, like uh, your nose. <laughs> and the, anyways, the, the point is that my point is that. Now, when I see that, I'm like, nope, he's not getting up. That hurts so much. There's no way he's getting up. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. that headbutt on the nose. That nose is very broken. It hurts so much. You can't concentrate. Yeah. So this is the reality of things. Yeah. But my mother, she, she fell down it. Go ahead. 
Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. My mother fell down in uh, Phoenix Airport at Thanksgiving. Which I'm so and, sorry um, about. I hope she's okay. Broke, broke her nose. She, yeah, she's, she, thank you. She's doing fine. Okay, she good. broke her nose. And yeah, again, like we're, she still sees double. She's still getting over the concussion. Oh, if she had the oh, blind hand, but this is the reality. Like if, if you, you know, if you've ever been in a fight, I used to get in a lot of fights in, in, in middle school and high school. And it, yeah, it takes eons to recover from. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we, I think so we sense that on some we level. Suspend yeah, we suspend belief. I think it's great to suspend yeah. belief. So, so this is actually, this is my biggest question for Jonathan on this whole subject, which is movies don't have to be realistic, right? They're not documentaries in order for them to work, but there is this time where things can take you out of it. And then, right, like you're watching Lord of the Rings and you are in that universe. You're watching, you know, you're watching Star Wars. You know, you're in that universe. You're not sitting like, you're not, most people aren't like, oh, well, that that's not the sound that a lightsaber would make when it turns on. <laughs> How, what makes... Most people, uh, um, people. Or, or even <laughs> Addison Cook, you're not really thinking, you know, the whole time, like, how did these kids get their own plane tickets and fly to Columbia? <laughs> right. Like, uh, <laughs> um, but, but so what is that? How do you write that? Um, what, what is but it can the, be done well and it can be well, done not right. well. What's the difference the maker? What's the true difference? Shy, watch the YouTube channel. No, I, I've watched the whole YouTube channel. I kind They're of redundant, like, you know, making images. I'm just kidding. I've watched it too, and I still have that question. No, but I still have that question. I can't question. wait for you to what's finish the, the Gray Man. The You're going to have to email us because I'm curious if, like, wait, Lily, what I had, you a, think of I had my question. No, that's the same question. Okay. Uh, so, same you, question. your question what's is the, what's the dividing line? What's the difference between, uh, uh, you know, an unrealistic hero. I don't know yeah. Martin Martin Riggs in yeah. *Lethal Weapon*, which, like, my my Mel Gibson blind spot is one of my worst qualities. So, <laughs> Martin Martin Riggs in <laughs> *Lethal Weapon*, John McClane in the first uh, in the first *Die Hard*. Um, what's the difference between, or or even the second and third *Die Hard*? Um, uh, you know, what's the difference between us feeling for and believing the the inhuman? Feats that those guys uh, uh, are able to do. Thor in the good Thor movies, right? Versus um, a situation. Well, he's a where... demigod. No one's questioning that. No, That's but weird. But but where the situations where folks like where it just it, it it there are no stakes. Right. Like that's the problem I hear sometimes with Superman. Right. They're like, yeah. what are the stakes in Superman? He's got all these powers. Yeah. Like the first thing you have to do with Superman in a Superman movie is depower him. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. I can never, I've never been excited about a Superman movie for exactly that reason, but there's a time and place for all different sorts of movies. You did. It's really fun to watch. Um, I don't know, crouching tiger, hidden dragon and, and watch these two swordsmen just plow through thousands and thousands of, of soldiers killing everybody. There is a certain pleasure in that. And yeah, you can go and watch Rambo five and have a good time. I'm sure. Um, Clearly, these movies have an audience, but in terms of a character that endures for decades, like how you feel about Martin Riggs from a movie that was, you know, 30, 30 40 years old. Jesus. Yeah. It's 40 Just years about old. almost 40 years old. Yeah, almost 40 yeah. years old. Like and like, you, you still have that feeling about Martin Riggs because he was suicidal. Like he yeah. was so depressed and he had messed up things that happened in Vietnam. And he had this incredible talent, you know, as a sniper, but, you know, hated himself. 
And how can he redeem himself through being a cop and saving a life or two? Uh, what a compelling character and a character we've never seen a cop portrayed in quite I that way. I gotta say, you're making Lethal Weapon sound way better. I feel like- First of all, I think I think <laughs> Lethal Weapon, I'm just gonna separately say, I think Lethal Weapon, even the fourth one, which is kind of silly, but like, is, is like one of the best character-driven action movies ever because it is like one of the best arcs Martin Riggs has changed. Well, yeah, that, I mean, that's like, like you were just saying, you, had, you hadn't seen a cop exactly like that before. Yeah, I, Rambo won. It was an incredible character study. And in Rambo 1, I can't remember now, does he kill anyone in Rambo 1? According to your videos, he kills one person. He kills one and I think person. he does kill one of the cops that he's fighting with. Um, the one that, sorry, I don't know if he falls off a cliff or he falls off a... Oh, one of the, yeah. he, fought, yeah. he does kill one of the cops because that's part of how things but, really but, escalate. But to your to your point, I do think there's a time and place for everything. Like like especially you know like a crouching tiger. You're in that world. You're you're in those in rules. Fantasy. Those are the. Yeah, those are the rules. Or even uh, Mission Impossible. Like, those are the rules of Mission Impossible, and we're along for the ride. Or Top Gun, or like any of these big fun action movies. But a movie like Gray Man, I think I would have enjoyed as an audience if it was a little bit more, less, a little less is more in that case. I would have been more invested. I would have cared more if I really thought like something bad would happen to my Ryan. Like, yeah. I, but I'm like, oh. Ryan Gosling is clearly fucking See, invincible on this. And my, my issue is that I didn't care what happened to him. Yeah, exactly. Would, That's the thing is I didn't. I just enjoyed watching his amazing. But face I mean, if he died like the whole time, anyways. Okay, he so let's play glib. And when people are trying to kill you and you still can be glib, that's that's a big warning sign, I think, for a character. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, like, like whatever. The only appropriate reaction when someone's trying to kill you is ah! <laughs> That's the only thing you should be saying. Where, when he quips, I think in, in in one of your um, videos, I'm pretty sure you bring up Drive, which yeah. is I yeah. think one of the yeah. his best movie. Mm -hmm. I think that's his best movie and one of the best movies I've that, seen. That's in one of the like, exposition ones because they don't right. tell you. There's a like lot no about talking that in that movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> almost no one talks. That's true. And it's I was enthralled and I was so nervous. And the tent that that movie's so well done. And it's the same actor and I, he's fantastic. And so I just I'm like, okay, you I think you tried to insert drive Ryan in this movie, and he can't just be like whatever about everything. <laughs> 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 you, can't, you can't be like you said, you can't be that cool when there's like actual like knives being thrown at your head all the time. <laughs> Or whatever. Yeah. It is uh, a delicate sort of feather to you have to blow this feather in the air and keep it aloft of as to when you lose your audience and when you keep your audience because there are plenty yeah. of movies that have mediocre structure and a wise cracking character who's wise cracking in life or death situations where and who's maybe killing a lot of bad guys and yet it's so entertaining that I forgive it and at no point does the movie ever lose me. Um, like what could be more meta than a Deadpool movie where we're constantly right. the fourth wall, we're constantly doing right. Right, 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 right. I'm completely entertained throughout and I'm not, I'm never walking out of a Deadpool movie, stomping my feet saying, oh, they broke Stutcher. So it, it's right. a really <laughs> complex thing. And it, I think right, the, right. the rule is that if you're entertaining enough, you can break whatever rules you want. Yeah. That's a, and that's and, and, and I, I think that other point that Lily was talking about, which is establishing the rules of the universe, probably mm -hmm. may, make a big difference. Like if there are clear rules to how this is going to go, which Deadpool seems to always do right away. Right. 
Um, and so right. does RRR, the first scene of RRR. Oh, have I you seen RRR, Jonathan? Not yet. Should that's, I watch it? That's the best. Did I watch it today? Movie. That's the best. Chiropractor, then come home and watch RRR. And that's like a hot heating pad on the neck. Get like a little heating pad on the neck. And, and just watch RRR. And, and that was recommended to us by uh, an, another uh, uh, a fellow director based in Hollywood who's been on the, who's, he's been on the show a few times, Mike Roberts. He, um, he uh, texted me one day and just wrote RRR. And I'm like, what? He's like, just, you have to watch it. No. <laughs> I'm actually watching it right now for the third time. Wow. I, I've been, you know, it, it's a long movie. It takes a couple of days. So I'm about two thirds of the it, way through yeah, on my third watch long. of it. Wow. You can definitely watch it in That's three in three pieces. Yeah. We, we watch it's it like hours. a we do an hour at a time because it it's. Wow. I mean, you could watch the whole thing in but, one sitting. But, I guess. But to that point, and you'll see when you watch it, it, it it's. It's a it's a very different world than the action movies we're used to seeing that I'm used to seeing, and it's obviously not realistic. That's not the point of the movie. And it, from the minute it starts, it's telling you, oh, mm-hmm. maybe the the second scene, first and second from scene. the second uh, scene. Yeah, really, yeah. the second scene. I guess the first scene you're kind of like, oh, I guess this is like a typical, and then the second scene you're like, oh wait, no, the rules are different here, and then yeah. you're along for this ride, and that helps too. But I feel like when you're all of a sudden, like you said, with the Fast and Furious, like they're supposed to be in this world. That world's very established by that movie and The Rock is in it, but they can only punch each other the exact same amount of times. <laughs> it's so ridiculous how you're you're breaking the rules of the world even that they've established in other movies. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know much about boxing, but it's like if you weigh 135 pounds, you're not allowed to fight someone who's 132 pounds, right? (laughs) You could put the rock with Vin Diesel and they can just go at it for hours, apparently. Yeah, right. Uh, that's really funny. Uh, I watch a, I watch a lot of wrestling, and so uh, you know that you can. I mean, you can, but that's got to be rehearsed. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let so let's play uh, another signature game of Friday Night Movie. This one is called Buy, Rent, and Meh. Oh, my Alexa just turned on. No, thank you, Alexa. Um, <laughs> buy, rent, and no, I, I don't. Alexa, please stop. What would you like? And by the way, I want everyone to know. I always say please to Alexa because when she rise up, they're coming to the people who were rude to them first. So I'm always I'm always polite to Alexa. Okay, so by rent works is this. We're gonna give you three things and you have to force rank them according to the official Friday night movie ranking system, which is by rent and meh. And then there are variations that go below if you want to go, like there's bleh and there's feh, right? So you don't need to use those. We're just letting you know they're out there if you really want to get fancy, like if you really hate something. Because meh isn't really negative. It it really depends on how it could you, be if you even if you haven't seen it or you're just like, eh, I could take it or leave it. Because we don't want to force people to be mean to things. So on, on the subject of of nuked fridges, I, I talked to I I pulled out some what I would say are overpowered characters, characters where the, there are some questions that I always see around those movies, elicit the, the elicit of like what 
what what are we supposed to do with these characters if they're basically invincible? And so one of them is we talked about Superman before, but I'm going to go with Captain Marvel because uh, Captain Marvel, uh, Brie Larson, she is great as that character. But there is this issue by the time you're getting to Avengers Endgame where her powers are so crazy that they that there's a constant there has to be constant explanations as to where she is. To, she went to, to the bathroom, so now we have to figure world, out how to save fighting, the world. Whatever, right? So Captain Marvel, then Dominic Toretto from uh, from uh, Fast and the Furious, because I got I want to pay tribute to your your videos, and then Ethan Hunt from the Mission the Mission Impossible movies, who I think is also somewhat overpowered at this point. Um, uh, what? How would you rank order those three? Okay, it's so for I haven't watched the Avengers. Okay. Um, yeah, it's you don't need to. You don't need to. She's they basically created a Superman who's like has mega super more powers than Superman who has nothing that can defeat her. She's all powerful. Wow. And now okay. they're stuck because she could beat everything and everyone all the that time. in order to beat the bad guy, she needed to run across oh. the battlefield <laughs> with all the women together. <laughs> do it as a team but a, she's so powerful she that, i don't know if you watch the boys but that scene was very very well sent up in the boys um the, the, the oh team. you would i think you would like the boys it's a bit violent if you're okay with that very yeah. violent yeah. i haven't heard of it in no. very gross ways on amazon prime it's amazon like, prime. sort of like a Grant, garth ennis's so very dark telling of uh, what if superheroes, superheroes. Like, really existed uh, oh, okay. That's and true. It's that. like as if the Avengers, those characters were actually real people in our lives. With like actual America human flaws. Human, and yeah, and they were cute superheroes, but like you could go see him for real at a Comic-Con. He's actually a really big asshole in real life, imagine. Like, yeah, like Hancock. I get it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but very dirty. Huh. So I recommend it. I have a friend who who just got hired to adapt the Buddha story and now has to figure out Buddha has no vulnerabilities. Like, how do you write the character? Like, you know, you don't really you're writing from like the characters well, in their past and they have a I story mean, or something. He's like, my no character's offense, but I, How do you I feel like I feel like he likes snacks? A lot of snacks. <laughs> oh, that's that's his okay, that's his weakness he has to overcome. <laughs> Um, that's why they call it a buddha belly yeah that's a fair point a little chunky in the little chunky in the middle not that that's a bad thing that's not a flaw he just maybe you know he like misses doing some good deeds maybe like, he gets distracted he just gets distracted that's true but some poor writer had to adapt that character you're describing and figure out that's terrible. vulnerable <laughs> the hits a bit we called it a mary sue or a marty stew when oh. the character wins every single scene um so like oh. like kylo ren in star wars is infallible right she, she wins every single scene she's ever in she can you learn mean, how to use the we mean ray no, no, ray ray sorry who's kylo ren kylo ren's the the bad guy he's he's oh, right, right, right. nephew got it got it that's sorry about that ray adam driver plays him Ray win- learns how to use the Force in 30 seconds. Like what took Luke going all the way to 
to Yoda's. We planet. have discussed that in detail on this podcast. On this one, yeah. We have done therapy sessions about that <laughs> Over issue. Her. Where yeah. is her training? Why does she not need to be trained? And, Why were we as audience I, members robbed of her being trained? And and then she right. has no backstory. I, anyways, I, I loved yeah. Ray as I loved Ray when she was a mystery box. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, she 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 still in some ways isn't like my favorite new character but in in the way i imagine her not what we were actually given so right with you there all right so let's you're you're stalling so, on your rating on your rankings here <laughs> okay so the the captain america one i i, I can't I'm, I'm not qualified to judge in terms of dominic moretto toretto versus I just rewatched Mission Impossible one yesterday. Oh, uh, wow. that's a really that's a so I, good. Still, still my favorite one. Yeah. Oh, it's he's, so yeah. good because he's so a regular human in that one. <laughs> she is a regular human. I know you. I know you mean. I what I will grant that like I am just such an unapologetic fan of Tom Cruise forever for all time. Tom mm-hmm. Cruise could come over to my house and kill my dog, and I'd be like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you and Mike Roberts should hang out. <laughs> yeah, you and Mike. That's Mike, I think, goes exactly the same way. So with Tom Cruise, there's always this quality of him trying as hard as he possibly can. Whatever character he is, I feel that like face. he's striving mm-hmm. so hard that um like maybe you could say that Ryan Gosling in The Gray Man doesn't appear to be trying very hard. Like he's never out of breath. And he just like <laughs> finishes jumping off the train as it explodes. And then he's just like, eh. And, and just sort of like gets into the car and does this weird flick with his hand, like no biggie. And then he does a witty quip or whatever. I'm not dissing Ryan Gosling. I mean, I would kill them. Uh, I mean, this obviously this podcast would never, ever diss Ryan Gosling, but you're not wrong. Never. <laughs> never. But at least with Tom Cruise, you get that Harrison Ford-esque quality of like Harrison Ford wins a fight and keeps. He can't believe it, right? Like, <laughs> and he, he they're knows, actually sweating. Yeah, sweating. right, right. I mean, Tom Cruise, I buy it when he has to jump off an airplane or whatever he's doing. Somehow, he sells it for me, and I'm still on board. It's uh, probably because he's actually jumping out of the airplane. <laughs> You're right. He's like the new Buster Keaton, right? <laughs> doing yeah, all doing all his own stunts. That's an amazing comparison. So, so if you're asking me to compare uh, Vin Diesel to Tom Cruise, I'm I'm too biased. I'm not okay. trying to fairly answer that question. All right. All right. That, that's I love how, I love your rating system. He could kill my dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be our new one. <laughs> okay. All right. And now let's talk in the spirit of Addison Cook. Let's talk about some. Uh, historical based adventures we've got indiana jones we've got the national treasure series and then uh, the closest i could sort of come to playing in there but i'm I'm welcome other options is is the kingsman the recent kingsman i don't know if you've seen that or the kingsman movies they have a little bit of you know retelling of of world history world events through the eyes um uh um do do you have an order on those three I do. I do. I feel extremely guilty about this because behind everyone in these movies was a writer and, and, a, you know, a hundreds of crew members who poured their hearts and souls into it and any movie getting made, the worst movie in the world getting made is still a miracle. Right. And, and we, and we right, really right, do right. like to honor that because we do talk to uh, there are friends of ours who make them and, and they, and I think it was, is it Gabe who said to us, 
it's really hard. No, someone, maybe it was Gabe or Mike who said, it's really hard to make a bad movie. Meaning like the work you put into it and to have a movie come out bad is still an insane amount of work. And I so think that was Gabe. We, yeah. We, yeah, we don't, we, we, we in no way dishonor um, movies when we And make there's some bad choices. movies that we love and yeah. some good movies that I hate. Yeah. So the base level with which we want, we are, we are, we are, and our audience expects you to come here is with love. Okay, good. Yeah. As yeah. long as that's understood. And, Just... and, 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 and we hope anyone who listens to this of any significance is not going to be like, oh, Jonathan Stokes likes Tom <laughs> Cruise more than Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel's never going to play Addison Diesel. Cook. I was about to say, I think the only person thinking that is Vin Diesel. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Love Vin Diesel. And so Brian Gosling is hands down one of my all-time favorite actors. I would absolutely gla- glass get anything going with Ryan Gosling. So yeah, it's it's no. it, it's just uh He's we're all gonna have our personal tastes as to genres of movie and the believability of different types of movies. I'm only halfway through the Green Man. I'm having uh the best time watching it. I totally I, value I expect an email worth. when you're done. What's that? I ex- expect an email review when you're done. <laughs> oh I see I see I see yeah I'll let you know. Um I wanna hear so yeah, I like Indiana Jones is iconic. I grew up on it. Again, possibly not a fair question. So I have to put that number one. There's nothing fair about this two, question. But Kingsman, because of I, I did think it was extremely clever and extremely inventive. Uh, there was a lot of stuff in that movie I had not seen before. Oh, and wow. so, National Trash for me um was, you know, a bit preposterous to be, I'm of course I'm going to have fun in a cage movie, and I'm going to have some understanding of what world I'm in. But how invested am I going to be? You know, when it's like, wait a second, we have to steal the Declaration of Independence. Um, <laughs> so for me, uh, th- there were a few bridges too far in that movie, but I still thought it was a tremendous amount of fun. But if you held me to the fire and you made me answer, that those are those are, those are right, great. Those are, right, okay. Those are great so now again, because I feel like you're the person who's really like guided me through a deeper understanding of the whole world of exposition. <laughs> I'm going to give you three voiceover oh, expositions, okay? And and ones that I think are considered good. I, I mean, or or I don't know, but like when we talk about, like we all, Becky, ha, Becky definitely has taught me to hate voiceover in movies. I, I never paid attention <laughs> to it before. And that like makes me crazy. But Goodfellas, Ray Liotta, Goodfellas. Yeah. Right. Talking about the Copa and all that. Okay. No, because I just want to be clear. There's no, no there's no in between with voiceover. It never, ever, ever works except when it does. It's fantastic. Yeah. And there's no in between. <laughs> there's no like, oh, it kind I, of works. I, I it don't never know if, works. That's the rule. Once in a while, someone breaks the rule and it's fantastic. I yes. don't, I, I don't know if any, <laughs> I don't know if any of these, um, I don't know if all of these qualify. You know what the next one, or, or or voiceover like straight up talking. You know, exposition. Right? Then Kate Blanchett in the Lord of the Rings, mm. the, the opening like narration of the ring and the, the elves and the men. Now, in fairness, read the book, saw the movie, still barely understand what happened. <laughs> so maybe that's good. So you need then, you need more voiceover. I I went to I went to Ferris Bueller. I don't know. Ah. Does the opening count as a voiceover when he's walking you through his life and and telling you about all the different characters? He's breaking the fourth wall. That's more of a breaking the fourth wall situation. Yeah, breaking the fourth wall. Okay, but I think you can you can eke it in in this example. 
um, I can make it in. If you have a different one, uh, Lily and Becky, I can walk oh, oh, you know, but how about the how about the opening of Clueless? Okay, how about the opening of Clueless? You know, there's nothing wrong with that movie. It's perfect. So it should no, be no. I, I'm so. just saying. Okay, fine. I'm gonna do the opening of Clueless. Which, yeah, no. These are all movies that we. Well, oh, we, right. we love these are not like we're not when she's talking. like taking you through her getting her dressed in the and, her and her dad, dad. yeah yeah um uh, so um okay so i've i've changed this around okay so good fellas lord of the rings clueless voiceover how do you rank these and again well, all movies we love all right I, for me it's a there's a three-way tie at the top okay. and then one movie is way down at the bottom okay <laughs> um yeah no i i think yeah i i'm with becky at 90 percent of the time voiceover is totally unnecessary i think also fight fight club is mostly voiceover isn't it doesn't he do so much voiceover so much voiceover mm-hmm. yeah oh, okay but lily i love it just added that in you the time to add it in was really good one yeah yeah so like uh yeah, voiceover started with with the dawn of theater, right? So the ancient Greeks, the very first play ever created, would have had voiceover. The narrator, his Greek chorus, standing in the back oh, of the stage, yeah. giving you all the information you needed before the play started. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine how creepy? I don't know if you've ever like seen a Greek chorus, but I went to a really artsy college, and so it's so creepy when like twelve <laughs> people are reciting all at the same time. It sounds like the Borg. <laughs> You're supposed to absorb this information before the play starts. And um, it, it kind of made sense when you're like Aristophanes doing it because you only had one movie, you, one play set back then. They couldn't change scenery. They didn't have that technology yet. Then give them a break. They're just inventing theater for the first time. But like it's been 2,300 years, people. Like, can we just let it go with some of this voiceover already? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm with Becky. I, I think most of the time it can be done away with. You happen to have picked four movies where I think it's done excellently. And one movie where I think it'd be totally, totally done away with. Does anyone have any guesses actually as to which movie I do not forgive it in? Of the Lord ones? of the Rings. Lord of the Correct. Rings because Rings. because it's seems like they're just the reading you a page of the book. It's right, the and no one understands what she's saying anyways. It yeah. adds nothing. You're right. Adds nothing. It's not in the yeah. original book. It's totally unnecessary. I don't want to be given any of that information. I want to be, the hobbits don't have any idea what's going on in Middle Earth, so why should I? Right? Mm-hmm. Like I should in the books, what's done so brilliantly is this these poor hobbits have never seen Middle Earth. They've never left the Shire. And so when they right. go out and explore the world, they're looking at it from this eyes-up view of a little three-foot innocent creature who doesn't know anything about wizards and orcs. And they've never seen any of this stuff. They never met an elf, and neither have I, the, the audience member. So that's the perfect surrogate for me to experience that story. I don't I don't want the freaking voice information, and frankly. I don't want to go into, you know, Gandalf's POV to have a wizard fight. Uh, I have a lot of opinions there. Very, very dear to my heart. Uh, but no, Pete Blanchett's voiceover, I defy anyone to, to like explain what she's talking about or retain any of the information. It'd be like if, if, if we were going to like play a game of chess and you'd never played chess before and you're like, how do you play chess? And I'm like, well, um, the King's Indian defense opens with a, a Pawnee Fortune <laughs> book. You can't absorb any of the freaking information, right? So, which you, you know, would be, the correct answer would be like the object of chess is to checkmate. Here's what checkmate is. Now I'm going to tell you what all these pieces do. And I'm going to tell you information. Right. That 
when you're ready to hear it and absorb it. Um, Lord of the Rings, in my opinion, those movies break that rule extensively. Uh, but but yeah, as for the other four, oh my gosh, just four fantastic examples of uh, totally appropriate voiceover because it's all coming from character. It's characters, they're not omniscient narrators, they're characters that are the protagonists. So you're being introduced to their inner voice. And so what's being established there is uh is sort of a, is, is a first person style of narration or maybe a third person omniscient style of narration, but it's clearly established and then carried through throughout the the entire uh, work. It's one aesthetic dis di distance. If it's an omniscient narrator for no reason, like you can pretty much delete it in my opinion. <laughs> all right. I love it. <laughs> These takes are amazing. Uh, all right. Let's now we're, now we're going to wrap the show with uh, what we traditionally wrap with, which is what we call our shout outs and recs, which are things we've been watching, things we recommend. Obviously at the top, we recommend Addison Cook, the Addison Cook, the three Addison Cook books that are out, Addison Cook and the Treasure of the Incas, Addison Cook and the Tomb of Khan, Addison Cook and the Ring of Destiny. I got I got I got those right. Yeah. Uh, um by Jonathan Stokes. We recommend the uh Raising the Stakes YouTube channel. But Jonathan, are there other things that you recommend or that you're working on that we should see? And I mean, you're also a director. I mean, there's I mean we, we did in a little over an hour. We could probably have done three hours on, on all your different things. But is there any other, there could be also things that you're not working on that you're just like, oh, you should watch this movie or show, whatever, whatever comes to mind. Oh my God. Um, we can also come back to you. I'll no, start no, no, with, no, no. okay. Go ahead. Go, no, yeah. Go, you can yeah. Go out Lily, what are you, Lily, what are you watching? I, I haven't, I've been so enjoying this wonderful, like like Jonathan had said, sometimes there's no time for movies. I've been highly enjoying all my visitors that I've had and the adventures that we've gone on this island, this volcanic island. You could write a children's book about it. Mm. So many adventures. Um, so I haven't had much time to watch a lot of things, um, which is maybe why I was so disappointed in Gray Man because I, it was like the one movie I watched this month. Um, so yeah, I watched that and I watched, um, I'm watching Loot, which is delightful on Apple Plus. It is delightful. Uh, with the, the great Maya Rudolph. Honestly, my, I could my, watch her just eat a bowl of cereal. She, uh, that, she's amazing. Joy. Pure joy. And Pure joy. At the heart of this movie, at, at this show, which I the show. saw a show in the open. I haven't, we, haven't we, we watched like a few episodes and then there was like new ones hadn't come out yet, but the chemistry between her, her and Nat Faxon from the first interaction, I was like, I don't care what else happens in this show. I like seeing those two on screen together. Mm -hmm. together. I think the chemistry, I think everybody is great. Um, but Shai, is it also and, weird to see a character based on yourself in the show? Because who's you based are on me? Howard, her, her cousin, her who's her the cousin. IT guy, who makes himself <laughs> best friends with her assistant. He does things like buy people action figures as a way of saying thank you, obscure action figures that they don't yeah, know that, what these action figures are that forces that. them to play with them <laughs> and then call each other by nicknames. Yes. I have done those things. That is it true. is. Um, but yeah, that's just like a joy. That's just That's Ron Funches, and, by the way, who is. Yeah, Funches, who's just. He's super funny. Um, and I'm, I'm making it through that last part of Stranger Things, man. Holy shit, is that long? I was that so is. confused. I thought this was there's the last so season. Show. I thought never, this was I the last season. I might just wait till the how, next season. 
how are how are each of those last two episodes like two and a half hours and the series is the last not over. episode is longer than top gun yeah it the is film. <laughs> top gun, wow. top gun that is, there's nothing if tom cruise can't justify going going over two hours that I'm so sorry the Duffer brothers do not get to justify going two hours for one episode of television. <laughs> and and there's still another whole season coming. There's another whole season which they promised to do shorter episodes because this is just very, it's extremely bloated. There's so much. There's just too much TV. There's too many time, characters. Time for, them to, time for them to start offing more characters on that show. Yeah. Because right people now, are, I don't believe are, any of the main people characters. People are very anything. defensive about that. People are very defensive about that. Or the, they can the, keep all the characters. Nobody can speak, and there can only be action. Like honestly, um, a show that okay. moves so well. I was gonna say to Jonathan quickly is if you haven't seen The Last Kingdom, is something that I recommend oh, to yeah. you. And it, it touches As, on a, your heritage. A, your heritage. Yeah. I've the, been uh, a huge uh, Bernard Cornwell fan, and I've read every single one of those books. Oh wow! And then it's, oh. it's really tough with me, like Lord of the Rings, where when I'm that big a fan of the books, oh. I come in it's hard really judgmental good. on the movies. It's yeah, really, it's really good though. The shows oh, we we're. Oh no, really? No, maybe he, given, but if Jonathan liked the books, it's a different story. Right? Those books are that fantastic. Is true. Yeah, that must be why it's such a good show to people who didn't read the books. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess so. No, I, I as we've proven, I, as we've proven, as all the other the analysts about story. So, the, sure, the, I no, I respect that. I respect that. But that show, what they, I don't know if the books are like this, but it's so fast paced. It's mm-hmm. really great. And Stranger Things, like what could happen in a season of Stranger Things is like <laughs> one episode of The Last Kingdom. Right. You tried to get in there. Yeah, I, I, I'll try checking it out again. I, I, I have a few friends that are Bernard Coma fans and we all universally and they can't. Have that show. We couldn't. <laughs> oh, no. but I feel I like that makes, I, like, makes me happy that it's because you love the books. He's written probably, I'm going to say 50 books. And I read all of them. And really, all about Uchi? genres. And he's he is a fantastic writer, and he is a machine because he's got to be wow. well up into his seventies, and he's pumping out at least a book a year. And these are incredibly well researched historical fiction. Whether he's writing about um, the Napoleonic Wars or whether he's writing about you know in this, in this recent series he's writing wow. about the Vikings, he's an incredibly he's hands down one of the best living writers in my opinion. And then what they went and did with that schlocky ass Netflix show. I'm sorry, that's just my opinion. No, that's it's, okay. It's, wow. it's a knife in my heart, Lily. It's a wow. knife in my heart. I mean, oh, that's hot, a, oh, hot okay. take. Hot yeah, take, hot take. Yeah. Well, well, maybe there's some part Lily, of me that like, Lily, feels Lily, good Lily, that we love it. Lily won't tell Queen Ellsworth, who was in the Canary Islands all summer, and uh, she got to. The, the actress that plays the queen on the show, who does a fantastic job. I do have to say, her acting is amazing. Love that. She does a really good job. I met her the other day. It's probably an, it's probably an amazing show. I just need to get over my own preconceptions. and Wait, let so, then you, so then do you, you, do you hate Game of Thrones also? Like, I feel like it's only fair that if you hate Last Kingdom and you have to hate Game of Thrones more. I called it immediately with Game of Thrones. Like everyone was surprised in season seven when the writing fell off a cliff because they ran out of books to copy. Mm-hmm. But uh, I called it instantaneously that the writing was worse than the books. And so I thought that the TV show 
God, you're going to be giving some controversial opinions. Oh, but... well, I mean, if you, you know, <laughs> don't say anything <laughs> that you think is going to get you in trouble. We don't want to, you know, ruin your life. I, I think that its merits are the same as the merits of uh, Lord of the Rings, where the costuming is everything you're seeing on the screen is absolutely fantastic. The, the, the way they did the creatures, the way they did the costumes, the way they did the sets, building out that whole world was absolutely extraordinary, granted. Um, and and frankly, like some of the storylines in the TV show, I thought absolutely held up from the books and were done faithfully. But um, every, nearly every place where the TV show deviated from the books, I thought was a step down, not a step up in terms of the writing. And then it just accelerated. You know, I'm out of control there. I mean, I was uh, up until Battle of the Bastards. I thought Battle of the Bastards was breathtaking. I mean, they did things in TV I'd yeah. never seen before. So That's it's the best really, really, really high for me. But then um, the, the lows are pretty low for me, too. I, I would say, like, the other piece of that Battle of the Bastards thing is that the last really, truly hateable villain that like you really care about is is Ramsey Bolton. Like, I never had yeah. like uh, they had to have turned Daenerys much sooner to make her a villain, you know, to make her a true like turn right, her right. heel as, as the wrestling term. They had to have turned her heel much sooner because if she's going to end up being the big, 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 big bad, which I saw coming the entire time, because just my own understanding of like politics and history, I'm like, you can't go around like like I'm like. She's a dictator who's murdering lots of people. Like this, <laughs> this doesn't end well for her. Uh, um, uh, all right, okay, okay. So those are those are okay. So that's we've got Lily's Rex. Becky, how about your Rex? I said I'm already rewatching RRR for the third time. I have finally been watching Mythic Quest, also on Apple Plus. Plus right? Do you like that? Yeah, I'm really, really enjoying it's a it. Really cool it, show. It, and and loot. So you know, it, that's where I'm at. Mythic Quest is the one of the only good COVID episodes of a TV show that I really liked because it really does something with the characters. Yeah. Oh, I haven't gotten that far. It's between, a COVID episode? it's between seasons. It's like between, okay. or it's right at the end of season one and before season two or in the middle, whatever. Oh, okay. I haven't seen, I haven't gotten they, to the COVID they do a, episode. That one pays off at the end really, really, really. Yeah. Well. Okay, cool. All right. Um, okay, Jonathan. So wait, did, did you have, did you want to go? Sure. Yeah. Um, but first, I'll go last. which channel is Mythic Quest on? And Apple Plus. Apple Plus. Okay, Apple Plus. And that's the one about the video game company, Rob yeah. McElhaney's show, which is. I'm into. I'm curious about that because I I, I like me some Dungeons and Dragons, and so that the idea behind that show appeals to me. And then, um, gosh, what was the other show you're recommending? I wanted to know what channel it was Loot. on. Yes, Loot. Loot. Also, Apple also Apple Plus. Plus. Okay. Big All plug right. for Apple Plus this week. Right. Okay. Apple Plus less shows. I don't know if I like all their shows like as much as I like other shows, but the the quality is extremely. No. High. Yeah. Because I also started watching. You do get are really good, but not. Well, all I also time. started watching this other show on Apple Plus called. I wasn't going to recommend it. I'm not really recommending it called Acapulco, which I it's sweet, but I'm like three episodes in and I don't know what it's about. It's just like sweet. It's like here's it's the eighties mm-hmm. and it's people work at a mom. resort in Acapulco. But I don't Mom's know what it's about. Perfect. There's mm. no it's not like, it's really like someone driving. has a high risk pregnancy and then somebody's like leaving their husband. Like mom is that's like mom's so excited. That's not this. This is just it's the eighties and we work at a resort. <laughs> cool. Mom mom would love it anyway. <laughs> 
Um, so uh, I, I, something I can recommend without qualification, uh, I, I did just finish watching the 2018 season of The Great British Baking Show. Ugh, I love I will, that show. You're speaking Becky's language. I will say things. Just one is that you know I resisted watching the Great British Baking Show for a while out of fealty to the to the Great British Bake Off because it was very controversial when they switched to a other different BBC channel and mm. uh, got rid of Mary Berry and oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Around, now so. you have Prue. Well, now you have Prue. Yeah. Now I've got Prue and, and I, I miss it, Mary. Yeah. Right, I miss Mary as well. Absolutely, but I have to say the show. I mean. It pains me not at all to say that it's every bit as good. It's just so freaking heartwarming. And to me, it's just a show about British people gaining self-esteem. And uh, <laughs> it's, the 2018 season could not have been more heartwarming, where it's just a bunch of British people being like, oh, I'm not a very good baker, am I? <laughs> I don't deserve to be on this show. They should just chuck me off this show. And then they... they Becky, this is like... That they're actually okay at baking. And so it just Becky does this to me all the time. When when I'm cooking or baking, Becky just like whispers the things that they say on that show because I don't watch it. And she's like, this is what it's like on the show. And she's like, <laughs> and no one's mean and nobody wins any prizes. And they're always just like, oh, this is to this and this is to that. And my thing is crumbly or crumbly or whatever. (laughs) Right. No one has narcissistic personality disorder. There's no screaming matches. They help each other. If someone's done early, they help their friend. Right. You notice that they'll help each other. Um, no, but I watch it like it's uh like it's uh like it's a sporting Hunger event. Games? and I yeah, the Hunger <laughs> Games and I scream at my TV and I and I throw things and I do like replays. I'm very, very into Great British Baking Show. Oh, it's just such a sensation. And if someone doesn't get enough rise in their in their sponge, I'm on the edge of my seat. Mm-hmm. What is gonna happen next? And then <laughs> like it, cut away to a, a couple <laughs> lambs frolicking in a field, and then they'll mm-hmm. come back with some little classical music in the background. And I'm just delighted from start to finish. It's <laughs> I, it gets me to it. There are very few things in life that can get you to a 10, you know, consistently, right? Like, yeah. like if you bought a Lamborghini tomorrow, you'd be at a 10, but like a year later, your Lamborghini might only bring you to like a six. Jibo brings me to a 10 season Jibo. after season after season. Jibo, amazing. Amazing. That's how I feel. And I'm the only one that watches this show about Blown Away on Netflix, which is about the it's the glass blowing competition. Oh, right. Where, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I can that has stakes. I if someone record. messes up, they're they're getting they're like a, the, they're getting an arm cauterized. Of, yeah. <laughs> I highly recommend that show. I love that show. Mm-hmm. So I'll close that. Oh, do you have another rec, Jonathan? Or that's your, that's your. No, it's just got me thinking about steaks. You're right. Because why is it that Jibo doesn't need to kill 36 people in order to keep (laughs) me interested? I think all I have to know is, is this Bavois going to have the hazelnuts crushed properly? And is the Bavois going to be completed in time? And I'm wrapped. So I mean, and is there anything, does your heart sink? I mean, my it when when Paul says I need some it's kids. it's raw, it's raw. If right. something is like your right. heart is in your stomach, he oh, won't eat it because it's raw. It's that's awful. <laughs> oh my gosh! Awful. Nothing enough to get enough rise in your moose, and so your moose is just flopped down a little bit. That's all you need. You don't have to kill thirty-seven people, Ryan Gosling. You just mm-hmm. have to make a decent babois. <laughs> 
That's that's the actually pressure. the Gray no Man pressure. part two. It's just gonna do the. It's thing. already been greenlit for a sequel. Oh my it's god! Wouldn't you love to see crossovers like that? Yeah, where just the him characters of the Gray Man have to right. go Not and Ryan Gosling. killing each other, just win a Bake Off. <laughs> Ryan Gosling just comes in. That's amazing. So um, my recommendations are: I watched Irma Vep on HBO Max, and that was fantastic. It's it's an it's a remake. It's it's very meta, I guess, but I never saw any of the other pieces. But it is a remake of a '90s French film that is about a French director uh, remaking a silent French film, and then this is a from the same director a TV show about a French director remaking his '90s film about a silent film into a streaming series um and wow. and I just had an aneurysm yeah and it's in english <laughs> and it's in english and in french i would say about two-thirds in english a third in french with subtitles but we you know we were learning french so it was nice to stretch my brain that way um and uh it's a little bit like the state in maine or state in maine the 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 david oh, mamet movie um in that it's about sets and artists and actors and it's clearly a satire of things i don't fully understand but i think folks with a movie making background would really would really get it but the acting is just absolutely fantastic and i'd never seen alicia vikander in anything before because i never got around she's to seeing so good um and she has to play this so almost like natalie portman type star or maybe herself because i guess she's a big star too i don't know she's amazing in it I highly recommend this show. It's really, really cool. Um, we saw Nope, which was good. Was it good? It was good. It was okay. I mean, if you're, I saw, um, I, I want to see, I think Kofi Outlaw just put out the article that said, okay, now we're going to have to do the comparison of Jordan Peele and M. Night Shyamalan's first three movies. And I haven't read it yet, but I definitely saw, saw Nope. I was like, so this must be his signs? Like, it's still really good. Um, but he's wavering. He's really good, but it's it's not what people expected because it's not what the other two were, and um, he's definitely branching out. I mean, he's great, but the the stakes of this movie are very unclear. I'll tell you that. Um, the acting's amazing. Visually, it's really beautiful and compelling. It has some you know creepy stuff in it, but ultimately, it's it's not not as terrifying as us. Not as good as Get Out. Um, and the whole time Allie and I were both thinking, oh, this movie's like weirdly like Jaws without really realizing why. And now I'm seeing a whole bunch of articles comparing it to Jaws, which was really interesting. So it was cool. Jordan Peele's awesome. He's allowed to make a medium movie compared to his other two movies, which I think are genius. But like, it's interesting to see the Shyamalan um, comparison because that definitely popped into my head. I'm like, interesting signs. This is like his <laughs> alien movie. Um and then, uh, and then um, we talked a lot about Gray Men. And then DC's League of Super Pets was home run what? for a family movie. Allie and I were cackling, and the kids loved it. And it had great superhero stuff and jokes in it. And The Rock and and um, The Rock and Kevin Hart are like awesome together. And Vanessa Byers in it too, which is great. Um, okay, with that, Jonathan, where can people follow you? follow your work, all the stuff. No, oh, geez. Well, uh, youtube.com raising the stakes is that you, you would Google, I suppose, to, to find your way to that channel. And yeah, they're just, it, 
story structure is a great passion of my life and it's I, <laughs> I tend to just keep making these videos and just being a part of that conversation because we're all it's such a wonderful mystery to unravel what makes for a good story and what doesn't make for a good story and I imagine it's a big part of what you talk about on your weekly podcast is just why did this work and why didn't this not work we like to analyze things um and then I guess suppose you could find me on Twitter at Jonathan W. Stokes, uh, if, if you were so inclined. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, it, oh, you know, I suppose if you really, really wanted to, you could do a find me on Instagram at, in Stokesgram. Um, because oh. I do travel a lot. I have not made it to the Canary Islands, but I've made it to some really... You're invited anytime. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, You're part of the family now. <laughs> so my Instagram is mostly just when I'm in a weird place, that's when I'll post to Instagram. And by weird place, it could be you know, like I was in Sudan during like, the revolution. Looks like you were also at medieval times. I was. That is true. That counts. Wait, what is your Instagram? Stokes? In Stokesgram. Just rolls right off the in tongue, Stokes. doesn't it? All right. In Stokesgram. In Stokesgram. Yeah. Good awesome. Branding, All right. <laughs> And and and, and go out and buy people should go out and buy the books, uh, <laughs> lots of them, so we can get the movies. Becky, <laughs> Becky, where can people follow you? At Paper BK Princess on Twitter. I just got that in Stokesgram Instagram. Got it. I just I just got the joke. I oh yes. I was like a, a beat behind there. That's really funny. I like that. <laughs> good good writing. Good writing. Um, yeah, you were also in Barcelona. Fun. Sorry, I'm not That's, looking at your Yeah, all right. <laughs> Lily's 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 just looking at Instagram. <laughs> at uh, and and Lily, wait, uh, Lily, where can people follow you? You can follow me. Um, I don't tweet very much, but Chichi K Gomez on Twitter. And I you, I do all the tweeting on behalf of the family for the family. At this point, uh, you can follow me at Pancake and the number four table. Pancake four table. You can follow all the Friday Night Movie shenanigans at Friday Night Movie. Sign up for our almost never newsletter at FridayNightMoviePod.com. The theme music is by What Does It Eat? And thank you to our amazing guest, Jonathan Stokes. Thank you. For being here with us. So much. This was nice so fun. Thank you. Guys.